Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. this little 45 go around and listen to this song come out that guitar at the beginning listen to that again hold on here listen to that right here this is why I played guitar it was right after I played this song and I said uh, to the music guy Art Barnes right there you hear that little buzz how do you get that sound and he said Fuzz Tone, brother. Fuzz Tone. Happy SCR Day, everybody. SCR Day. It's good to be with you. Uh, we have uh, Franz von Holzhausen from Tesla on today. Uh, we'll be talking to him in a minute. Um, we had a, uh, a wonderful uh, CollectingCars.com Cars and Coffee uh, with, with Chris Harris and Edward Lovett. Those guys are amazing. We love them, not just because they are the the signature sponsor of Spikes Car Radio and sponsor every single episode uh, this year. Every single one. Um, but because they're cool. I mean, who doesn't like that? Uh, this is one of the few guests that my son actually wanted to meet, Chris Harris. Um, didn't care for Edward Lovett. <laughs> that didn't, didn't know who he was. He's a nice enough chap. Uh, but boy, those guys are amazing. And uh, Edward was out there running the cars and coffee on Sunday at Bluey's. They had uh, uh, four or five times the amount of cars than they had for the last one. Um, and that's uh, many, many thanks to the Spikes Car Radio listeners here in L.A. and California and for showing up. It was, uh, it was super fun. Um, I feel like I must... You know, before we bring out Franz, uh, talk about this Tesla pronunciation, Tesla pronunciation, because it came up again. If you recall in the Chris Harris uh, Lovett interview, they both said Tesla. They said Tesla in the interview. And I did. I let it go a few times because I don't know those guys that well. And I didn't want to be rude, but I thought if they say it again and then they said it again, I said, you know, isn't it Tesla? Isn't it Tesla? And then I, uh, you could see the expression on their face that they were worried that they were pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> and I was worried. I was just calling them out and I was wrong. Um, and they said they didn't know. And, um, you know, I, I left that interview and I went home and I found a really interesting clip I want to play for you guys here. Um, it's Elon Musk being interviewed by Leslie Stahl. Um, December 7th, uh, 2018 is when it was uh, posted here on Facebook, but it was uh, it was that long ago where she asked him directly, how do you pronounce the name 
of your company. Here it is right here. Here's the clip from 60 Minutes, Leslie Stahl, Elon Musk himself weighing in on the pronunciation of his company. Do you say Tesla instead of Tesla? I say Tesla. You say both, okay. Tesla? I actually, I think I'll probably say it with a slight Z sound. I I never thought about it. I say Tesla, yeah. Yeah, you say Tesla. (laughs) It's with a Z, sort of a Z-ish sound. Do you want me to say Tesla? I can't, I can't. I'm going to say Tesla. Well, it's not two S's, so it's got to be at least a short S. Do you say Tesla? Wow, there it is right there. (laughs) So, can you make heads or tail of that? Do you... Do you understand? He sounds like he said he calls it Tesla, which would mean Lieberman and Chris Harris are correct. And Leslie Stahl just says, you know, stands there and just goes no to the guy who who runs the company. I can't say Tesla. It's Tesla. Tesla. And he says, okay, but just only say it with one S. Where does that leave us? I, I, I don't know. It sounds like everybody's right and he doesn't care. I guess, you know, Elon didn't start the company originally. And I, I guess... We have to go back even farther to get this answer. So for now, the mystery uh, has not been resolved, which is kind of a bummer. Hey, listeners, this probably won't surprise you, but I've never been a big art guy. I mean, unless you consider bumper stickers works of fine art, no, it's right. I don't have any art. You know what I have? I have blip shift art (laughs) that's from from the shirts that we make. And I hadn't really considered art investing until I saw a Picasso painting sell for over $100 million in 2021. That's a lot of zeros. Not only that, art appreciation has outpaced the S&P 500 since 1995. So when the market takes a hit, a well-diversified art portfolio might not, which isn't that surprising considering some billionaires have been laughing all the way to the bank and investing in art for centuries. But this would put a smile on your face. Now you, like Jeff Bezos can do the same thing. I'm talking about investing in blue chip artwork with Masterworks. Masterworks is unlocking the once exclusive contemporary art market so you can add paintings from iconic artists like Warhol and Basquiat and Banksy to your portfolio. And Masterworks is giving my listeners priority access to their newest offerings. Forget the NFTs. Just forget them. Get the real stuff. Get a slice. Get a sliver. Get a chip of a Picasso or a Warhol. Just go to masterworks.io slash spike 911. There's a piece of art right there. Masterworks.io slash spike 911. Masterworks.io slash spike 911. And check it out. See all the disclaimers there at masterwork.io slash disclaimer. And uh, get involved. Buy some art. Make some money. Why, why let all those billionaires make the money, man? Masterworks is going to help you out. Well, not long ago, I chatted with Franz Holzhausen. um, Very German name, uh, very American guy from Connecticut. And he is the uh, American car designer and chief designer at Tesla. uh, Known for his streamlined, um, understated aesthetic. Von Holzhausen, uh, his credits include the electric car company's second vehicle, the Model S sedan. He talks about what it was like to launch it. Um, he's also designed the Model X and overseen the Model 3 and my favorite, the Y, and also the upcoming Cybertruck. Did you know he's the guy that was on stage throwing the metal balls at the glass? He tells the whole story to me and to you, and you'll find out what was happening just 
before then. Um, he's working on the Roadster. He's working on the Semi. He's a really interesting guy. He used to work uh, at General Motors. He went to school here in Pasadena. Um, he even worked on the Saturn Sky convertible and the Pontiac Solstice. Um, and he likes watches. And, and that makes me like him. Um, and I think you're going to like him too. So here's Franz von Holzhausen of Tesla. And here he is, Franz. Nice to meet you, sir. Yeah, likewise. Nice to meet you. It's Thanks nice. for having us. Of, of course. Uh, do you always speak about yourself as us? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, we have, a, we have a silent partner in the back, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have you here. And I know, uh, you know, you've listened and you know that I have a, uh, a Tesla Model Y. And, and first of all, congratulations. I'm uh, very, very impressed with so much that's going on with that Model Y. Um, I tried to drive it here today and my wife yelled at me and I said- I mean, that's I a good thing, right? <laughs> when you guys are competing for a car. She said, I, 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 I can't let you take it right now. But I go, but I got the guy. I got the guy. <laughs> I've got Franz. And then she flipped me off and left. But- um, it's okay. I would just be looking at all the mistakes that we made. But yes, you. Oh, really? <laughs> Do you? I think mean, that's the designer's, you know, problem. Oh, I understand exactly. Nothing what is you're ever saying. quite right. You know? Right. Well, um, what what would you keep going and doing with that? I mean, the, the the Model Y is a great car, and I think, you know, we we started as um, carrying over a, a ton of parts for Model Three, mm -hmm. and that was, you know, a really good exercise and how do you make a different car out of another car um not just like the old-fashioned badge engineering idea um and i think the results are great but it could always be a little better it can know? always be improved could the wheels be a little bigger could the you know roof be a little lower you know that kind of stuff but i it, it serves its purpose. It's a great overall car. It, it's so functional. I mean, as you can attest to. I can. So much of the experience was just revolutionary for me. From the ordering of the car on a website to the um, uh, spike, my wife. I, I, I don't know what it drives like. And I'm like, all right, I'll get your test drive in Malibu. And you walk in, and we go, hey, we're the Ferrisons. They go, okay, that car right over there. And then they just put you in it. There was no, uh, let's get the insurance, let's get the license, uh, your, your, your car, driver's license. It was just easy and fun. Um, I mean, who really ever looks forward to going to a dealer and buying yeah. a car, right? You just, the, the crazy shenanigans you end up having to go through just to, to, to purchase something you want. I mean, she it's does insane. have one suggestion for you. Okay. <laughs> then we'll start the show. <laughs> she, she's like, where's my front facing camera? because she has trouble parking. She admittedly is not a very good parker, and my wheels can attest to that on all of my vehicles. <laughs> and she said, if I had that front-facing camera. Well, with the ultrasonics, you shouldn't actually really need it. So right. you know, the car beeps and tells you when you're getting close to something. So yeah. that should stop her from hitting the garage wall or driving through <laughs> the door or something. <laughs> and that new blind spot, whenever you're putting the car or signaling to change lanes, you've yeah. got a nice uh, new update yep. uh, blind spot video that comes up Yeah, you up get the, the, the camera view from the side of the car. It's 
This car flips me out. I mean, I love it so much. I realized I had made a mistake in recommending it for her. And well, that the, it, sh- it should have been my new thing, not hers. And now I'm in the awkward position of having to borrow it. And I don't, <laughs> and I don't like it. But I, Well, but you know, I, we have more. <laughs> in different colors, too. You oh, know? you do? Yeah. Oh, it's definitely going to happen. Because, well, the, you know, the Model S and the Plaid. You know, uh, uh, Leno got one of the first ones, yeah. And we were out in Malibu, and he goes, "Well, where do you see what you got going on here? What do you guys? You're gonna love this thing right here." And he took me for one of the craziest drives up Malibu Canyon that I've ever had. And I was in his McLaren F1. I've 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 been in a lot of his cars as a passenger. This that car blew my mind. It's an amazing car. I mean, it's a car that you can cruise comfortably anywhere. Go get your groceries take your kids to school, you know, put your bike in the back and just go for, you know, a, a beach cruise up the a PCH. Right. Or you hit the traffic light and there's, you know, a GT2 RS next to you and you can blow them away. Um, so how, how do you, I mean, I want to, uh, we kind of get out of sequence here. I wanted to start with your whole beginning and the rest of it. And now we're right into the models, but it, it, it really is at the forefront of my um, mind because you know, I noticed these things, you know, we have a lot of listeners in the Midwest and, and, and a lot of folks who just don't see this electric car thing coming. And, um, they, they, you know, they'll say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I like the smell of, of exhaust. And I go to the gas station in the winter, blah, 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 with the batteries. But what, what they fail to see and what I try to, you know, educate them about, if that's even the right word, is... You know, what I really appreciate is this, these little steps that you've eliminated from the process of me leaving my house and getting into the car and going. You know, one of the simplest, which is when you sit down, you're ready to go. You don't have to turn the damn thing on. Yeah, there's no key. There's no key. The thing that, the thing Tell that me you bring you, everywhere with you is actually the key, your phone, right? So that, so. you know... You know, I don't know how it works at Tesla or in the whole design, you know, area that you work in and head... Do you guys have meetings about those shortcuts? Like, hey, you know, because for me as a writer in entertainment, I thought, oh, there must be a pitch session for little quick to make things easier. The good idea is just arrive in conversation or whenever, and we think it's a good idea, so we do it. Right. But there's no like strategy session on like, okay, how are we going to like, how can we figure out how to do this? Yeah. How can we eliminate? It just is common sense. You know, like what's the thing that annoys you about, you know, something. Ah, There it is. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you have a solution immediately. Like, yeah. Like what if we just got rid of that? How do, how would we make that work? So is there a big uh, board that says things that annoy us? (laughs) Dealerships. (laughs) Dealerships. Definitely. The key looking for my keys. Um, the inability to control this thing with my phone. The things that just seem obvious, we just do. The <laughs> things that, you know, bec- we, we've gotten so accustomed to dealing with things that are just annoying. Yeah. That, yeah. that every once in a while you sit back and you're like, wouldn't it be great if you just have, didn't have to do that? Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if you could just walk up to your car, the handles present themselves, like a little handshake open the door in some cases like the model x the door opens for you as if it's a chauffeur opening the i mean what a nice pleasant experience you know that you don't have to open the door for your wife the car does it for you you know yeah no i appreciate (laughs) Um, and you get in and you just put it into gear and you drive there's no like monkey business of like dealing with keys and i mean i've 
basically eliminated keys from my life now and it's so liberating it is um, i mean do you do you think now you've worked at other manufacturers do you find that being at tesla it's uh, a lot easier uh, at that organization to absorb some of these new ideas oh, like absolutely. i imagine if you went to uh, pontiac or <laughs> well i was at pontiac for a while. i know I was at GM with pontiac. Uh, at volkswagen yeah. and you said hey <laughs> No more keys. Yeah. <laughs> and we would like it to work this way. And I'd like to control, I'd like to back up with an app that that would be five years of, yeah. of bureaucratic BS. Working through like, you know, meeting after meeting with stakeholders of X, Y, and Z and the middle management and the kind of the chain of command that has to happen and the legacy of, oh, but this is how we've done it. This is what our customers expect. This is, you know, how things need to go. And the, uh, it we don't have any of that. We cut through the fat. We just if it's a good idea, we implement it, and you know we can course correct as well. I think one of the things you started to touch on, you know, you said, oh, you added that feature for blind spot on, um, you know, when you put your indicator on, you can see, you know, with the video what's on the side of the car. But that's one of the things that we do constantly is improve your car improve your ownership experience so you buy a car at any state the ui in the car is constantly improving we're always making the car better so it's like one of the first cars one of the first series of cars that actually gets better with age mm-hmm. um you know it actually improves over time yeah and it's you know hard to find that in any new car no, you know, you know, it's been said that you guys are the apple of the automotive industry and it really operates like that. Like, you know, you get an update every couple of weeks or so and you get excited about it. I when I open the app and I see the updates there, I go, ooh. Yeah, so do you actually <laughs> read the Here's what I do. I get excited because I yep. see it on my app first and usually I'm up in my office and then I and then I'm waiting for her to park that car wherever. <laughs> Sometimes I, I'll try to time it out if she's at the Ralph's. If I think I can see her at the Ralph's and she just went in, but it's 25 minutes. <laughs> That's right. But I don't want to leave her hanging. <laughs> and then she'll also know that I can see that she's in the Ralph's, which she won't like. So and then, you know, when it comes home, I turn then I get into the car and then I see what I've got. It's like a What's your like, m- most What's your most recent favorite feature? Well, the holiday light show. Yeah. And, and by the way, I didn't see it. My kids saw it on TikTok and they came running out. They go, we want to go in the Tesla. I'm like, why? They go, watch this. And they turned it on and it was really amazing. You know, it, it, it's the same way Squid Games came into right. my house on Netflix. Right. <laughs> it came via TikTok and they get excited, you know, and it really speaks to that younger generation that, you know, that, that it works this way. But it also it, says something like, why can't, why do cars have to be so mechanical yes. and robotic and just a piece of steel that sits in your driveway? Right. Why can't that also be a fun, engaging experience? Right. And fun. I think that's what we try to bring as well as, you know, we understand people use their cars for a variety of different things, but it could also be a fun experience. So how long the holiday light show, where does that start? How long does it take to execute something like that? Um, I think it depends. A lot of times those things happen like as a, a weekend project, you know, maybe from an intern or something that has this idea and then we show it and like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. So, so the interns came up with that, <laughs> no, like, the elves, <laughs> the elves, exactly. They'll say, Hey, I want to, I want to turn this because, you know, even it's so impressive the way the lights were flickering. You're like, how is this built into that system? Right. Generally, that's that's you know a side project. Somebody has an idea. They 
they take their time, personal time to go develop it. And yeah, when it's cool, we do it. Could Land Rover do a holiday light show update if they wanted to with the pre-existing, you know, Land Rover? I don't think so. They couldn't, right? Yeah, they're just too staid. They're too staid. Too proper. Right. But it seems like the the Tesla Model Y came pre-equipped with this VU meter Spencer gifts. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that? A circuit in there that does that? For? For that light show that gives you the, that oh, takes music and translates it into a. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically doing all the things the car can do anyways. The car has to turn on and off lights. It can play music. So it's just choreographing that all together. Yeah. But out of sequence and yeah. and flashing them and brightening them. Yeah, and on Model X, the doors open and flap. And wow, these interns! I can't believe the interns. <laughs> Not they, always the interns. What but are sometimes they it comes from them. <laughs> but amazing that you would listen to an intern. Well, it's a good idea. I mean, but how does an I, intern? I, I would listen to a good idea from you if you had one. Well, I, I've had a few. <laughs> Not sure they'd work in a car. <laughs> but maybe they will. <laughs> um, but how would an intern get to you? I mean, how? I mean, it I guess have to go to me. I mean, can come bubble up from anywhere in the company. Where, right, you know, right. And you know, Elon's really good at you know trying to weed out and and find the the great ideas and um, and then you know basically publish it. Wow, amazing, really amazing. What's your journey been like at Tesla? I mean, it, when I mean, it, when, when I it, started, when it started, Tesla, it was yeah, in two thousand eight. Um, there was just over 200 people in the company. That was it. Quite small. Yeah. And, you know, it was like financial Armageddon was about to happen. So (laughs) I I had walked away from, you know, a pretty decent job. I was, you know, at Mazda um, enjoying that. And we had done a lot of really fun stuff, reinvigorating the brand there and, you know, getting people to pay attention to to Mazda again. And, you know, I stepped out of that. And because I really believed in, a more sustainable future and saw just that the work that I could do um, could be more if there was somebody that was really focused on sustainability and these, you know, the, the OEMs, the, the big companies were just not, um, it was a flight of fancy or a little side project or a kind of a marketing thing, but they weren't going to really focus on it, especially back then. But Elon was doing it. Um, so I had a you know an amazing tour of a rocket factory that convinced me like wow if you can do that then this this Tesla thing should be easy. You know? Did you interview directly with Elon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Did he have any interesting uh, interview questions he used? Um, we just hit it off pretty you know pretty quickly, and I think um, I was really intrigued with what he was doing both at SpaceX and at Tesla, mm-hmm. um, and. I think, you know, we've, we've established a great working relationship that, um, you know, over the years has, you know, proven itself pretty robust and we can agree to disagree on some things, but generally we're aligned and I think you can see the results. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about collecting cars, uh, right now, collectingcars.com. They have Ferrari 308, GTB, Vetro Resina, one of just 712 fiberglass body 308s built prior to the switch to steel bodies, a timeless design by Leonardo Ferrati for Pinaferina. This low mile is 308 GTB is finished in the original combination of Giallo, Fly, Ustabadino in that color. It works, retaining its original numbers matching engine and gearbox it also comes with ferrari classiche certification expensive it's been done 
Uh, they just sold a Chevy Corvette Stingray C2 for $81,000. Uh, temperatures are hitting sub-zero in, on- uh, sub-zero in Ontario, but it will soon feel like summer for the winning bidder of this Corvette. Wow, big numbers. They're still pulling in these big numbers. Um, they're also looking for help. You guys want to, uh, you need a job, you, you're here in, in Southern California, or uh, maybe even everywhere. It doesn't say where they're looking for new talent. How about uh, joining the record-breaking online auction platform, Collecting Cars? Did you did you have a look at my Instagram post? Did you see who was there? Jensen Button, Chris Harris, uh, the real Zuckerman. There were some, there were some legit folks there, some legit cars, and uh, you can be part of it. Uh, collecting cars has grown 190 percent um, since 2021, and this is only set to continue in 2022. While the platform is based on proprietary technology, behind the scenes is a dedicated team, true car enthusiasts. I can tell you that they all pitch in. If you had seen Edward Lovett, the guy who created the platform, directing traffic. At the Blueys Car Show, you would fall in love with this team. Uh, they're actively recruiting talented people for a wide range of roles with a particular focus on consignment specialists. Anyone who thinks they would be a great addition to the team, email jobs at collectingcars.com. Jobs at collectingcars.com. Or email your favorite stupid picture of Zuckerman to jobs at collectingcars.com. Com. Collecting cars. Why sell your car anywhere else? No ordinary auction. No ordinary cars. Tell me some of your uh, favorite and most memorable Tesla moments. I mean, my gosh, the beginning um, when we were designing Model S, and it's it's hard to imagine, you know, even now that in 2008 is when Model S was, you know, a born, and it's basically the same car. I mean, it's evolved and improved, but stylistically and design-wise, it's it's the same car. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was a whirlwind um, project, and it really we understood that it was the you know intended to be the foundation of the company, mm-hmm. and the success of the company depended on it. And you know, there's a little bit of pressure. I kind of call it the <laughs> the, the artist's clean sheet. Yeah, you know, we yeah. we had a clean sheet of paper, and it's like go. And you know, what do you do if you're a writer? You're like, okay. Give me some input. I need to. Well, like, what am I writing about? Can I can I interrupt and tell you what I would do? I'd start looking and watching content and going, hmm, what is my thing like? What is it not like? And you know, where am I? What am I going to quote here? And what's going to inspire me? Yeah. Were there cars that you looked back at, or even products that you looked back at, where you thought this Model S has to be in this neighborhood? Well. Not necessarily. I think what I was really looking to do is try to find kind of the character, the soul of it, and like what does Tesla stand for, and what, um, how do we imbue that into the design of the car, and you know, kind of just dwelled on that for a little bit, and you know, this idea of efficiency was, you know, predominant throughout you know the conversations and what we were trying to do. Everything you know, in order to be successful an electric car needs to be efficient on, on all levels. Right. And so I knew that we needed a design that, you know, spoke about efficiency and then try to translate that into something that we could kind of carve, you know, and sculpt. And I thought like, you know, an athlete is really a great role model of efficiency on all levels, you know, from input to output. And the result is a physique that you get, you know, by default. Um, and if we can harness something like that, 
um, this capture this athletic poise and stance and character in a volume of a car, then I think we're onto something. And so that was really kind of the inspiration and the the soul of the character behind the idea of Model S. And it has been through all of our vehicles. And, you know, efficiency is just kind of in the background of the character of our cars, as well as, you know, the batteries and the drive units and the cost, et cetera. So. But where does it start? Do you get out your pencil and start yeah, sketching yeah, totally. ideas? Got out, got out my pencil and then, you know, really quickly formed that into a, a model that translated into this, you know, getting the shoulders and the hips and, and the, the proportion right. I'm a big believer in like stance and proportion being a, you know, the true character of the underpinnings of a car. And if you don't get that right, then everything is kind of lipstick on a pig and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you, you struggle. Um, Did and, you but crum- we were lucky because we could start really clean sheets. So Did you crumple up any papers and go, oh, oh this is terrible? Like, yeah, but do something at the that same like time, a- like the, the kind of pressure to get something going quickly forced me and my tiny little team and in the beginning it was just me to get something going right away mm-hmm. um, and believe in it and just you know get it right and I think you know 14 years later I think we kind of got it right yeah 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 and it's still it's a pretty timeless car yeah I don't you know we didn't set out to it's it's almost from a designer perspective how do you create something timeless mm-hmm. it's really really not the objective it just happened to happen. Mm-hmm. I think in good design can be timeless. Um, but you don't start there saying, oh, we have to create that. And I don't think we ever thought like in 2008, looking forward to 2022, that the Model S would still be great looking on the road. So is the launch event like the premiere of a movie for you? In a you way know. it is, yeah. I mean, a lot <laughs> and of stuff. And at what point, but let me, let me just ask you this question. At what point, you know, we, we throw out content, a bunch of critics get it and weigh in on it a few days before, and then it premieres, right? What, what's the timeline for you folks? You've got this new Model S. You've got this new, any new Tesla, sure. right? You, uh, do, you, do you let critics drive them first? Or is it just, hey, we're going to do this big Apple keynote speech and introduce it? We've had a few, like, you know, friends um, engage in the process, um, you know, a few times that I think has helped with just making sure we're, we, we feel like we're on the right path. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're doing stuff that's generally radically different and new. And sometimes that's hard for people coming in cold to absorb and not understand the rationale behind all of it. But for the most part, that's helped steer us and, you know, hone us and make a better driving car mm-hmm. um and so there's a few kind of key people that sometimes we lean on um but for the most part it's pretty you know under wraps pretty secret and in a few cases super secret and <laughs> um we have fun with that you know? and super fun at the launch yeah uh, we would be talking about the cyber truck well cyber truck but also i think roadster and the roadster know, when right we, when we debuted the roadster you know it was at a semi event and you know, those are two disparate kind of mm-hmm. mentalities or groups of people. So you're inviting people for a semi-event and then exposing this kind of crazy road. Story. What is the initial uh, moment of success for you guys? You know, what what is that, you know, for a film, it's the weekend. You know, look at the box office of that first weekend and then it stands the test of time after that. I well, think we, like, in my mind, I've, I feel like when we were, it was the day of the Model 3 event 
that we were hosting in the studio. We had transformed our design studio into kind of a, a, a showcase, a dis, you know, the, the display and the event space. And, you know, we were rushing to get everything done. The cars were still, you know, drying in the paint booth and like <laughs> assembling parts, you know, at the 11th hour. I mean, that's pretty typical. We're, yeah, yeah. We're, we're you know, no, we that's run exciting. lean and mean. Yeah. And, you know, it is exciting. And at the same time, we're starting to see like around noon, there's a lineup of people in front of the Tesla yeah. stores waiting to put in their orders. And I think, you know, it was crazy. We didn't expect it. So nobody had seen the car. A few like tweets of information about mm-hmm. what it was going to be. But the assumption, I think the assumption that it was going to be um, a lower cost, you know, more affordable, easier, more easily tangible version of a successful car in Model S was what people are really attracted to. And they couldn't wait to get their hands on it. So I think when we saw these lines that only really ever happened for like an Apple iPhone or something. Yeah, right. right. Like, exactly. Never, ever for a car. Right. And <laughs> I think the night of the event, when we were, you know, disp- you know, showcasing it to the world, we had 130,000 orders. Right. Like sight unseen. And right. I think at that moment, we we're like, we maybe were onto something. <laughs> and at least that's what I felt <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. Well, it's that hundred dollars in. That's all it takes. Yeah. And then you. But can, even still, like you know, hundred dollars is a hundred bucks. And it's a lot of money. Think about it, and but it it's you know it's for something like, you, you something you are only in your mind's eye. You imagine what it's going to be, but you have no. There's you've never seen a picture. You don't know the stats. You have no idea what it's going to be. You've you know you know a few little snippets, but. But it's the, uh, I remember my neighbor said, he goes, I have an order for two. And I go, what? He goes, the Model 3. I have two. Do you want one of them? And I was like, well, why can't I get my own order? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and that becomes the story and that becomes. Yeah, and word of mouth. And I think, right, you know, the, right. um, the, the, the Tesla owners are amazing. You know, they're, yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and we really believe that if you create a great product and a product that people love, then people really enjoy talking about it. Speaking of products, let's talk about Raycon earbuds. A lot of people didn't get to make resolutions this year, and you know what? I get it, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't still find a way to shake things up. Um, whether it's uh, switching up your workout routine or going someplace new, whatever you challenge yourself this year with, there's no better way to do it than with a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ears. You know, I was in the gym yesterday. I was in the Equinox yesterday. Earbuds. I left my Raycons at home, and it hurts. That's how much I love them. It hurts. I, you know, I lasted about what thirty-five minutes. I usually work out for an hour. Thirty weights, thirty cardio. Without my Raycons, I lasted thirty-five. Just on the bad elevator music that was blasting through that Equinox, and truthfully, because of a couple of uh, juice heads who had their chin diapers around their chin, and I didn't want to get COVID. Anyway. Their everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. There's also awareness mode for when you need to listen to your surroundings, which I, that's what I needed yesterday, so you can take Raycons with you wherever you go with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so comfortable, they will not budge. Important, right? We all know whose uh, ear pods fall out of your ears, the more expensive ones. Raycon offers 8 hours of playtime, 32-hour battery life, 
and they're priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's Everyday Earbuds have over 48,000 five-star reviews. Here's what I have for you listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off uh, your Raycon order by going to buyraycon.com slash spike911. Buyraycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash spike911. Microsite, that's buyraycon.com slash spike911. Save 15% off on Raycons. And we're back. Okay, we, we touched on it for a second, but, but, I, but I have to ask you about it because it really was a wild moment in Tesla's history. The debut of the Cybertruck, and that's you on stage tossing the, uh, tossing the rocks or <laughs> <Yes>. the metal? <laughs> steel what? balls. Balls <laughs> of steel. <laughs> you know, it, it's, a re- what it took. <laughs> it's a remarkable moment because it appears lots is going wrong in the moment. Like, there's a lot going wrong, yet... It really becomes a fun, another fun moment. You know, I almost think back to the history of Porsche when, you know, they had a pretty good track record for killing some famous people. <laughs> yeah. We killed James Dean, yeah. and it just helps their image, right? Luckily, we didn't kill anybody on stage. Here are you guys out there having fun on stage, and, and so that wasn't supposed to happen, right? It was not. It was to not supposed to happen, nor should anyone expect to be throwing. But honestly, you know, like, at the moment... What are you I thinking think, in that moment? Yeah, what like, are you thinking? Oh shit! <laughs> like, because the funny, the, I mean, the, the odd part is that we practiced that behind right before we kind of rolled the truck onto stage. Yeah, I sat back there and threw these things oh, out boy. the window, and it was fine. And what bounced can, back. And, what can go wrong? Yeah, will yeah, go exactly. Wrong. And we had, to, and it was not. It was a very rehearsed kind of situation. We had made sure, like. I, I can't tell you how many steel balls I threw at windows and every, almost every time we never had an issue. And of course the one time, right? Do you think you weakened it in your rehearsal? I don't know. Is There's a lot possible? of conspiracy theories. <laughs> there are. Possibly. Yeah. I don't know. Isn't there just a pressure point on all glass that if you hit it perfectly. <laughs> so wait, in the I, moment yeah. you do, I can. And, then, <laughs> and so then I was like, Let's do it again. <laughs> then you, you do it a second time. Because that was the rehearsed thing. If, right. Like, if for wh- whatever kind of, we, we just said backstage right before that, if something goes wrong, do it again. Because guaranteed, the back glass will not break. <laughs> so I'm you're like, there. Right, great. So let's prove that it Is Elon break. just looking at you going? Yeah, he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but then I think, you know. He caught it quickly yeah, and rolled yeah, it yeah. and you, you know, just don't. It. Thing. And then, you know, the funny part is afterwards when you're mingling with the crowd and people in the audience, they're like, oh, that was, I mean, it's amazing. The ball didn't go through the glass. Like how that, that glass is so strong. Like if you threw a brick through a normal window, it would have killed me. Right. And so people thought like, oh, that's kind of what was supposed to happen. And it's, you know. The glass is safer than any other automotive glass, and I'm not going to get killed with a brick. How did you keep the Cybertruck so secret? How did you do? That? I mean, we we because I'm we worked really hard and in our kind of space to keep everything um, secret, and I think you know we have a lot of um, ways to do that. But you know, we we pride ourselves on our team and um, being able to keep things under wraps because we understand the importance of it and. Um, but that's a, a lot, lot of NDAs and things like oh, that. Oh, you do? So, yeah, I was going to say, that's a lot of people keeping a very cool secret, right? Yeah, and, you know, it's, it, it was, you know, in the moment, 
you could argue that that was pretty controversial. It's a pretty radical design on a very staid marketplace. You know, there's a there's a silhouette that exists for what a pickup truck should be. Right. And there's a mindset for what it should be. And you have to be body on frame and you have to do this and you have to do that. And, you know, we challenged all those things and said, well, that's just, you know, legacy information. It's not actually true. You can make a better, you know, integrated um, frame, body, architecture and be stronger and in fact like why you know on a truck where the exterior is the part that is the most abused why is the most delicate element of a car hung onto the exterior of a truck in the paint um so we looked at well let's put the kind of the armor the the, the least delicate thing you can put out there on the outside and then hang everything inside. So kind of create an exoskeleton. Mm-hmm. That's when mm-hmm. I was born. It was upsetting. I remember being upset by it when I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like I was hating on it. I was upset. And I, and I, I my brain could not comprehend what I was looking at. And then I, I remember being out in Malibu and talking to a couple friends of mine who are, who are uh, Tesla guys and going, we've already ordered ours. He goes, you don't get it. And I was like, no, I, I don't get it. I don't think a lot of people get it. But I get it now. But back then, I remember going, what is this? It really challenges my idea of what a truck was. And and the more I started thinking about it, and then, it, you know, again, my car, I started to go, oh, I, I get what these guys are doing. You know, uh, we're going to just change the way things work. We're just, we're going to have fun. We're yeah. going to really upset your idea of what anything is. With but the something- thing is, like, it goes back to, you know, a first principles approach to something. When you actually kind of unwind, like, what do you, what do you really need out of a truck? Right. You, and if you didn't have any idea of what a pickup truck looked like, you came from Mars or something, and mm-hmm. you didn't know what, what trucks look like, where would you start? And mm-hmm. you know, we, we take that approach. So we didn't let legacy guide us. We took that first principles approach and said, if you want to achieve these things, what's the best way to do it? Right. And, you know, if you want to achieve uh, an armor plating on the outside of your truck, that's, you know, impervious to bullets and dents. And I mean, you can throw, you can drive into trees or scratch. You can't scratch, like all these things that you kind of want out of a truck, you know, like tough character. Um, what, what do you use? So you use stainless steel because you don't have to paint it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about scratching it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you, it's not going to rust. Um, but stainless steel is really hard. So how do you form it? You can't traditionally form stainless steel. So then that becomes part of the character of the design in that it's only, you know, it's planar sheets that can bend in one direction. Um, and suddenly out of that, you were born with a simplistic overall design principle, which then we had fun with, you know. Incorporating weapons into the design is what I... That, that's my <laughs> yeah. idea for the, the next cyber truck. James Bond movie, right? <laughs> I want a little door that opens up and I want to hit those people dicking around in the left lane. <laughs> that would be how I would add to the cyber truck. Did you... Well, okay? you know, the, the, the one thing that we did do was like take a real truck or an existing ICE truck out to the range and shoot bullets at it to, you know, just see what would happen. And, and I'll tell you one thing... Do not stand behind your door when you're shooting back at somebody. Um, all those cop movies where they're hiding behind the door to shoot back doesn't work. That's exactly <laughs> right. They go right through it. Yes. Right? It's just like paper. And then through the seat and through the console and out the other side. And, wow. What yeah, kind of weapons were these? Uh, usually nine millimeter. And you did this with the Cybertruck? 
Yeah, we shot at the the. <laughs> Is that going on over in Hawthorne? <laughs> what do you? Do? Not in Hawthorne, although you know, in the city of Hawthorne, perhaps that's happening. But. There's a lot of shooting going on around you. What? Who's going to yeah, notice? Exactly. Who is going to notice ourselves? Did you film that? The shooting of Cybertrucks. <laughs> I mean, I, I would. There's so much. In, you guys have such a passionate audience uh, that I imagine all of this stuff would end up being fun content and discussion. You got to wait for the movie. Yeah, um, I want to talk about the uh, the yoke, which uh, you know some of my fellow automotive enthusiasts are very upset about, and I couldn't be more pleased and more happy about. You know, my my son flies, you know, so and, and I'm down at Santa Monica Airport, and when I saw that, when Leno showed it to me, I really laughed, and I said, "This is awesome. This is something again, fun." It may not be as functional in a racing situation if I want to be turning, but... Although, you know, we've proven it on uh, Nordschleife, so, you know, we've done our fastest laps with the yoke. You have? Yeah. And the drivers are fine with it. And and how do you <clears throat> slip that by the DOT? Do they, do they even weigh in on things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most challenging things was um, dealing with the airbag, airbag deployments. Um, generally speaking an airbag when it deploys it needs a reaction surface so mm -hmm. when your head goes into it it needs something to counteract that it's not it's a big balloon but it needs something behind it mm -hmm. and that's usually the rim of the steering wheel so we just had to like think about how do we solve that problem and we did um and i think that was probably the biggest hurdle um what about what about, but it's absolutely safe and there's no plans to get rid of it no why why would we i mean yeah we've made it a component of the the car i think also um with the continuing improvement of autopilot and full self-driving um your hands on the wheel becomes less of a thing the the driving experience becomes less relevant in a way and you can take the menial task of driving away the car can do it for you um and so that's you know it's really preparing for that that autonomous driving experience when a big clumsy steering wheel is suddenly in your way. Um, just, you know, it's a thing that's taking up space. Let's talk about the Roadster, which is a very exciting car. Um, where are we at? What's going on? Yeah. Catch us up to date on the Roadster. <laughs> I mean, we're working on the Roadster. Um, I wish it was, you know, we were working faster, but I have to also say that in the time that we've been developing it, we've also been learning a lot. Like Plaid is a great learning platform that all those experiences will, you know, make its way back into uh, a much better roadster than had we launched, you know, right after when we debuted it. Um, so uh, just continuous improvement on that. Um, it'll be an amazing, exciting flying machine um, <laughs> with the SpaceX package. <laughs> so yeah, stay tuned. Um, but you know, can't come fast enough for none of no products can come fast enough out of from us for the the public. Um, but you know, rest assured, we're working on it feverishly. I was going to ask you about flying cars. You know, and, and I'm not joking. I I would bet you you guys are thinking about flying cars somewhere. There's an intern somewhere. In the instance, it's <laughs> going. Not, yeah, hey, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, <laughs> let's let's start dreaming about a flying car. We've got SpaceX. We've got Tesla. We've got a yoke. The third dimension is pretty hard to manage. Um, when you say the third dimension, <laughs> well, you know, getting off the roads yes. and into the air. <laughs> you said your son flies, and I'm sure you can attest to that. You know, it's pretty easy. Um, you just move forward; it goes up. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, put that in the hands of a you know, of your wife. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> my wife. Yeah, maybe not so easy. Um, no, but you know, in the roadster instance, I think you know, defying gravity is an interesting idea. The speed that battery provides is what also this audience, if they've not experienced it, is going to the 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 quickness of acceleration when you want to pass. Yeah, there's no like, and, honestly, and I mean, forget I can, about plaid. Yeah. Forget even about plaid. The electric car speed and quickness and the one pedal driving becomes so addicting. Yeah, right. Instantaneous torque. You don't you don't throw away the other stuff. You have this new uh, silo and type of driving that I'm telling you, if you're listening, you will absolutely love it. So when you get into the plaid, or you get into what this Roadster's going to be, and then you look at the price of that when compared to a Pagani or, or one of these four and five million yeah. dollar cars and it's faster, right? Yeah. And it's got aero. I don't know how you don't make that choice, right? I mean, you, you can argue that with a plaid right now and you can just see on YouTube all the videos of yeah. racing everything from a Chiron to whatever. Yeah. Um, with yeah. Insane amount of horsepower and, you know, it's a whole event and, and uh, you know, to get those cars to even run, right? Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, you can just roll up in your plaid and, and go. And <laughs> That's happening, by the way. On, uh, it's happened. It happened to me right on Wilshire. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a GT2 RS. These kids in a black uh, Model S window goes down. They go, hey, you want to race to the next light? <laughs> I go, not if that's a plaid. They go, oh, you got us. <laughs> and boy, they just went like this, boom, and disappeared into the horizon. Yeah, and they probably had two or three people in the car too, right? Uh, yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, so they, were, they were driving around just racing people in GT2 yeah. RS. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I mean, yeah, and I think the, the thing that you don't, you, you don't really experience is how, you know, addicting and fun it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, that, that thrill is something that I think innately we've always, as humans, have been chasing. Like, how do we go faster? Um, and the electric, you know, motor battery combination allows us to do that. So what were the cars you loved growing up that you had your eye? Where did you grow up by the way? I grew up in Connecticut in Connecticut kind of in the kind of, I don't know, suburban back country, a lot of cows and stuff. Um, you don't have a name that no, sounds like that. Do you Franz von Holzhausen? It's a pretty German name. Yeah. <laughs> pretty German. <laughs> I thought I would be facing an accent here and a translator today. Um, yeah, you're not alone in that. <laughs> What are what are your parents' names? Uh, Frank and Jane. Frank and Jane. Yeah. And so, yeah. why did they go in this direction? With I your think name? they had the last name, and they thought, you know, <laughs> the kids need to kind of embody the full German experience. <laughs> where we didn't get it, so we're going to pass it on to them. And it was a challenge in school as a kid. Yeah, no, you grew up in New England, especially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happened there? Yeah. Uh, I got out. I moved to. <laughs> now, what would they say to you? <laughs> Like they could turn any name into a, in a derisive nickname. Oh yeah. Even me. And I was, my name, real name is Michael. So it was Mike, Mike, ride a bike, ride it down the toilet pipe and I'd go, ah, any name. But for you, what were they saying to you? I mean, the easiest thing was, uh, Vaughn, just stick oh. with the Vaughn. So that, <laughs> the Vaughn. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I had like, you know, very derogatory things like, you know, Nazi and. Oh yeah. Hitler right. And right. Those right. Kinds of things, which are, you know real fun to deal with yeah yeah kid well hogan's heroes was very big back then so yeah that's true so that could have been where that's actually that made sense yes um so you know it it was not always a great name but you know it it did 
It was great for filling out the bubbles on the SAT. Get every bubble filled. And you learn the alphabet really quick when you're a kid. So you're in Connecticut. You know, I would guess it was a lot like my upbringing where it was all American muscle cars that maybe first caught you, uh, your eye. Or was it? Yeah, you know, um, my dad was a designer. So he had, you know, generally kind of cool cars cycling through. He Was automotive designer? Or no, he's a product and graphic designer. Product and he graphic, had right. company and... Um, you know, when I was in high school, he, he had a, uh, SC 911 SC, which, you know, tried to do the risky business. Kinda thing like and, what we know, have like right the, here the today. There. Yeah. Um, it brought back a lot of memories seeing that car. Um, luckily there was no like dropping into the, into the lake and having to deal with that. But, um, there was a few close calls, but it was always fun to try to get those, pry those cars away from him. And so you, it was Porsche the cool kid. that first caught your eye. He was into BMWs and Porsches, um, but he had early <clears throat> Mustangs. And, you know, one of the, the first cars that I thought was kind of cool, I, and I still actually own one, is a uh, older Firebird. Um, I don't know where, like, I got that attraction, but I, had a, I have a 68 Rockford Firebird. Rockford Files? Convertible. Yeah, or <laughs> I don't know what it was. They're cool. Booker, Baby Booker. <laughs> Didn't you drive one of those? Yes. Um, That's because they're cool. That's they why cool. they yeah. caught your eye. Yeah. And then, you know, I was you know, over the years I ended up working for GM and so mm-hmm. got involved in, you know, the kind of modern muscle, um, but always with affinity back towards the more classic stuff. So, right. And it was, am I mistaken? Did you work on the Beatle? Yeah. You know, when with I got Freeman Thomas with Freeman and Jay Mays. Yeah. Um, you know, Freeman was a teacher of mine at art center. Um, and then when my first job was at VW and he became, you know, my boss and we did, you know, we had a great ride there. It was, you know, really, Craig Durfee was there. He, you know, had designed the Viper, Jay Mays, obviously, Freeman. Um, it was a, a great group of people to kind of grow up in a design environment. Yeah, wow, what a group. just be, you know, peers and understudies. And um, it was, you know, looking back, it was super special. Um, and to see where those guys have gone in their careers is amazing. And, you know, I'm just fortunate to have been around that. And we did, you know, the, the Beetle, which is another super secret project. I think, you know, most of the people at Volkswagen of America had no idea that this project was even going to happen. And really? there it was suddenly, and they saw it for the first time okay. on the Detroit Auto Show stand. Wow. Going, oh my gosh, what, what is this? You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that that project kind of reinvigorated Volkswagen in their design mm-hmm. you know, direction. Um, and you can see the results of that over time. Um, yeah, then I went to General Motors and, you know, that was a complete change of pace. And my, you know, somewhat naive thinking was like, I can make a change here. I can make a dent, you know, um, and try to bring good taste to, you know, arguably a lot of mediocre um, stuff. And we, you know, <laughs> I got involved in some really cool projects. Um, one of the first projects was the Pontiac Solstice. And that's right when Bob Lutz joined. And so I was fortunate enough to work directly with Bob on this kind of another super secret little project that we debuted really fast. Like it was a four month project from zero to hero. That's your fast track. Yeah. I just kind of got into that, that grain. And, you know, I think from a spontaneity perspective, you have an idea, you germinate it quickly and you go. Right. Um, Right. And, you know, been somewhat successful at that. How do you feel like the direction of the automotive industry in general? Like, you know, 
again, I, I I'm going to keep going back to this analogy in entertainment because it seems like we have the linear networks and then we have Hulu and Netflix and yeah. the streamers yeah. where everything's happening. It happens fast. And that's where it's, all the cool stuff is. I think it's is, very similar. Right? To that. There's a lot of kind of incumbent stuff that, you know, the, with the legacy, the all the like the big OEMs, they just are set up. Their success depends on what they've invested in for the past 100 years. And mm-hmm. unwinding that is just like got to be. I don't know how they do it. Like, and they obviously don't know how to do it either. Yeah. So change, change for them is really, it's going to be very, very hard. It's going to be hard. I mean, I, I, I talk about, you know, even, you know, Mercedes, the, the, our model Y came in on the day I had a Maybach press vehicle and I was, I got out of the Maybach that was, uh, bells and whistles and lights and switches, half of which I don't know what they right. do. And there were at least 50 of them. And I sat down in the Y and there was nothing except this directional and nothing in front of me. And, and I, and I, I felt ripped off for a second, <laughs> for a second. And then I felt relaxed. And I was relaxed because I don't have to think about all of these switches yeah. and, and decisions I don't want to have to make. I'm simply just going to drive the car. And, and, and that right there and the software, I thought these folks, they're going to have a really hard time To me, like some of that is a little bit of just like layering on more things to kind of distract you from the inefficiency of right. the baseline product. Right. Um, and we just make sure we don't do that. Right. I mean, what, what, I don't want to look at my temperature or have choices of interior lights yeah, hoisted I mean, we, upon we, me. We I want just, the car to learn you. Yeah. And therefore, we're constantly working on improving that so that you don't have to go and select a temperature. It just understands the, the situation, the ambient temperature around you, kind of what your preferences are. Mm-hmm. and tailors itself to and the simplicity of the app when i open the app the yeah. same thing i'm not going down channels of uh, information i don't need or want it's yeah. all just right there for me and it's a ton of information and you know we we work hard on figuring out what is the right information to present to you right um so that things you know the most obvious things are single click away or they're happening autonomously for yeah you. and the That's simple important. the simple notion of where we're at as a culture we want everything to work off our phone the whole operation works yeah. off your phone. You can order the damn thing. Yeah. You can get it delivered. Yes. You can start it. You can bring it in for service. You can pay for that service all over the phone with that app. But it doesn't mean that you don't have to like sit at home in front of a computer to do that. You can be anywhere. Oh, if you um, knew how grateful I was yeah, not to be sitting on the other side of a desk with, waiting for a super uh, service advisor. And then going and, into the back and room. And the printer and, like and the arguing. click, click, click. Yeah. And let me take a little <laughs> holes off the side. They just said, here it is. It's already paid for. It's done. All right. A couple more questions, then I'm going to let you go. Uh, who came up with open butthole? <laughs> you say open butthole and the little charger door opens up. <laughs> is that an intern? That was on me. I don't know who, who came up with that. You maybe, don't know who maybe, came up with it? Maybe Elon. <laughs> it really makes me laugh when I do it. <laughs> but again, it's like adding a little sense of humor to something that we interact with all the time. Why not? Like, why does it have to be a cold mach- robotic machine? You know, that- look. I've been very grateful to have things that make my kids laugh when they don't want to get in the car and go for a ride <laughs> from fart they, sound yeah, effects. Do they do this fart sound effect? Oh, of course. They, they probably love to do it for your wife, right? They na- they rename the car. Yeah. Its current name is uh, Big Chungus for some reason. <laughs> and Are they using the microphone and talking to their friends and neighbors? Nonstop. Nonstop. At traffic lights. It's- yeah. 
my wife doesn't understand that stuff, but there, you know, the, the drive to school is a really funny production. Yep. Am I right? Um, uh, someone told me that your wife made the original interiors for these cars. No, she. Them. Um, we worked together on a couple of GM projects. Oh. Um, she has her own business. She does sustainable um, accessories and materials. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what? Uh, how about uh, is Tesla going to open up their superchargers to everyone? That's the plan, and I think there's some pilot ideas about that happening. So, um, but where do you see? You know, this is I think a broader electric vehicle question. You know, um, most people in my life make the the decision to buy a Tesla uh, because of the charging network. Sure, right, the supercharging network. You know, whether they're going skiing or they're driving somewhere out, they they're comforted by the fact that these Tesla superchargers yeah, are everywhere. Are everywhere, right? And and I've seen them make a purchase decision based on that. Um, you know, obviously, as we all pivot and all of these major brands pivot into electric, how does that work? Like in the rest of the country, you know, California and New York are a little different. How does well, it work? We have supercharges across the, the country. You can drive coast to coast, you know, north to south. And but where? Do, but what happens to the country? Do gas stations suddenly turn into electric charging stations? Do we have 76? I mean, ele- wouldn't that ele- be a great uh, end result? I think, you know, that's kind of our mission. And, you know, we'd. We know that we can't necessarily do it alone. Um, and if other people want to become involved in the mission and make a more sustainable um, planet, get rid of um, you know, our addiction to fossil fuel, think mm-hmm. then, great. I mean, that's ultimately what we're chasing mm-hmm. um, is a, like a sustainable outcome. So um, the faster we can do that, the, the better off our society is, the planet is, et cetera. So, I mean, we should do everything we can to get everybody involved in, um, you know, going electric and transportation. I was on a ski lift, uh, in Tahoe and my teacher, uh, scuba Steve, I call him said, my son has a, a, a ski teacher. Who's named I, I just call him scuba Steve. <laughs> it's probably, uh, insulting him and I don't even know it, but, um, he said, my son has a job in electric cars. And I said, Oh, that's amazing. Cause he knows I have the podcast. He goes, he's working on uh, solar electric cars. What 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 was he talking about? <laughs> Is that a real thing? Would there be a car that would have solar panels? I on? believe there. I mean, there's definitely um, people that are looking at that. I believe there is a car company that is working on that. I don't know um, how real it is at a kind of a true mass production scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the as the the PV the photovoltaic cells become more efficient and can harvest basically more energy. Uh, per per area, the reality of being able to apply those to a car um, mm-hmm. becomes more real. I think you know right now it's it's somewhat cost prohibitive to do that, but it's changing quickly. So I I mean I think there's a future where you can get some level of charging for your car from the sun, um, and until then we'll put the you know solar panels for around superchargers. So that mm-hmm. becomes you know um, kind of a free situation. I think. The obvious thing is to, if you own a home, to put solar and, and battery storage, you know, power walls on your house, and then you're generating your own energy for your house and for your car. I mean, that's I, I do that at my house, and but you know, that combined with with Starlink meant that when Malibu shut down on Thanksgiving Day, <laughs> I was still going. I could watch the games and cook the turkey. Is that where you live? <clears throat> yeah. What do you drive? Uh, right now I drove a plaid here. Oh, 
But like I have a Model ha- Three. I have a you know a vintage Model S. Um, a vintage Model actually. S, yeah. <laughs> an early one. Um, Do you have a collection of cars outside of Tesla? I have a few cars. Yeah, yeah. you're not driving around in some sort of dune buggy, are you? No, but um, you know, oddly Out enough, I learned how to drive in a Myers Manx dune buggy. That my best friend, um, he lived across the street. When we were, you know, 12 and 13, we were rebuilding his dad's Porsche 356 motors. He had a couple of them and he used to rally cross in upstate New York, but we took one of those motors and put it in his Myers Manx. And wow. when I was 13, we'd push the car out in the middle of the night <laughs> and drive down the street so we wouldn't wake up our parents. And yeah. Wow. That and that was, was it. Yeah. Did you really now, learn like, how to, uh, so how to shift gears in that yeah, car? Yeah, that shifting gears, driving, like I, we rebuilt the motor in the, in the cold, you know, snowy winters. Wow. Um, on his bench and in his basement. And, you know, I talked to Freeman and Philip and yeah, with those guys. And I'm like, I learned to drive on your car. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very cinematic moment. The middle of the night. Yeah. The guy who's going to design cars that are going to change you the world. You got in trouble a few times, but you know. If you're not getting in trouble happens. in New England, son, <laughs> you're not growing up in New England. Yeah, That's just to, what happens there. Had to run away. Yeah. <laughs> I ran from the cops once. <laughs> That's where I learned not, well. not to run from the cops. But I thought, God, I've got this Honda Accord and it's got five gears and I can, right? I can beat this cop. Well. I did not beat him. <laughs> Didn't beat him. By the way, beautiful watch. You're wearing a uh, a vintage Daytona six two six three. Yeah, I, it, the second you walked in, I noticed it. Wow, I've yeah, been well, jonesing for it. Laser beam eyeballs. Do you do you collect watches as well? Mm, a little bit. I have uh, some, you know, fun ones. But yeah, what do you like? We have. A I lot mean, of this wa- th- this one I, I love. It's just it's a great watch. Um, I have some lesser ones. I actually wear a. a I hate to say it, but the Apple Watch, just because of the fitness mm-hmm. thing side to it. Otherwise, I haven't really found much purpose for that thing other than the fitness part, but, you know, so be it. Um, <laughs> it's got to have purpose, yeah, the products in your life. Some tags, um, submariners, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. What, do you have, uh, are there products that you just look at, you know, outside of the car world that you just go, God, I love this thing? Aside from Apple products what other yeah, like I mean, design the, the, do you the, go oh my god the sad that, part about apple products now is like there's nothing to look forward to right like I, I feel like it's just a continuation it's just mm-hmm. a, kind of a slight refinement on the same thing mm-hmm. so inspirationally it's been hard to get you know super motivated by what they're doing um when's the last thing what's the last thing you bought though you did like the design when you came home and you went look at this uh pepper grinder it's uh, it's really it's, Peugeot actually makes cool pepper grinders, and that's kind of, who does Peugeot? Oh, I think that's where they started. Actually, they it cool must be really grinder. hard to buy you stuff. Your wife must panic because of <laughs> she what? Could buy me a car? <laughs> she she could. I like cars. You like cars? Yeah. Well, I imagine she could if you were in a Tesla at the very beginning, right, Richard? Yeah, you got in at the right time, my friend. Well, you right know, time. it was a little bit of a. a, a a leap of faith, you know, all my family and friends were like, what the fuck are you doing? You're <laughs> screwing up your career. But I was like, you know what? There's, this is the only company that's really focused sink or swim on making a sustainable impact into a really bad situation with transportation. And, you know, just, uh, they didn't have the conversation with Elon. Mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. And I really believed in it. And I thought as a designer, like this is going to be the closest I can get to, to have some sort of impact to, to change our world. 
I'm not a doctor, you know, I'm not saving lives necessarily, but our, our vehicles do save lives because they're the safest cars on the road. And we pride ourselves on getting there. But from a overall sustainability perspective and saving the planet, um, you know, I took, took that wholeheartedly and went in 100%, like knowing that <clears throat> here's the opportunity, like do it or... Every big talent has that story. That moment where you just jump and yeah. your friends go, what the hell yeah, are yeah. you doing? <laughs> exactly. And you're taking the risk that's going to change your life. I mean, it's, it, it hasn't been a you know walk in the park, but it's been a really fun experience to date. And I believe that, you know, we're as a brand and as a company, we're just in our infancy. We have a lot more to come, a lot more amazing, cool things on the horizon. Um, and hopefully we're, you know, we're making an impact. All right, tell us one secret. <laughs> one secret that you have about it. Oh, I'm joking. Franz, um, this has been great. As a, uh, a new Tesla fan, um, I'm very excited that you've come on the show. Please tell me what we can do to improve the product as well. I'm so pleased with the Model Y. I, I, it's, it, there's nothing I would change right now about it. I'm very, very happy. I'm, I'm excited for, you know, to move into the next level of assisted driving. That, that I'm very excited about. But um, the car has really exceeded my expectations as far as, you know, I, I like to evaluate things as how does it uh, integrate into my lifestyle. Sure. And it's just one of those, uh, one of those vehicles that does everything right right and even the simple little things like oh i've got too many kids right i got a third row you have a third row in there you know it's, it's simple stuff like that and, and for me it's these little moments of control i have with the app this morning i experienced one where uh i was disconnecting it uh, from the charger for my wife and i had forgotten that i had programmed on um, these five days of the week i want the car to heat up and it was right. kind of cold this morning it was just nice and warm and it and it's that that makes you love this thing yeah. it takes care of you yeah. right and it gives you that control to take care of you and it's thinking about you there's no other car that does that no i agree nothing that i've driven that does that it's really hard to communicate to somebody who doesn't <clears throat> either believe in electric vehicles or yeah. Yeah. believe in you know, that, that it could be a great experience right. until you have those moments. Yeah. Until you kind of experience that just little kind of pleasure. Right. Situation that, and you can say that to your audience, right. Or to friends. Yeah. But until they actually experience it, they're like, wow, now I get it. You know? <laughs> exactly. I like to say, uh, it's all of you who said, I'm never going to get an iPhone. And now you have three. Exactly. That's <laughs> what you're avoiding. The uh, the future is coming at you fast, the and Tesla's here, and yeah, it's here, and Tesla's leading the way. Franz, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll see you next week on Spikes Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio, brought to you by Hangar Fifty Six. Listen to new episodes every Wednesday, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? 
where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.